Well, if you have your Bible, you should be there in uh, Philippians chapter 4. We've been in the series week 10 this weekend, and this will be it. Amen? And somebody said, praise the Lord. Well, I've enjoyed teaching it. It's always good just to concentrate on one book of the Bible. It causes you to go over things and deal with things that you might not uh, uh, talk about or teach on in regular, uh, in just a topical uh, series. But this morning, we're going to wrap it up. In the latter part of Philippians chapter 4, which I believe is one of the last ingredients he gives us to the joyful life. You remember when we began the series, we talked about there were two reasons Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians. And the first reason was that he was writing to encourage the Philippians to, to guard their joy, to maintain their guard, their, their guard and, and make sure not to allow uh, the joy of the Lord to be lost. And so he says in, in, um, in Philippians chapter four and verse four, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so his theme, the theme of the of Philippians all throughout is Paul is encouraging the Philippians to, to live a life of outrageous and contagious joy. How many of you know it's better to be joyful than to be sad? Amen. It's always better to be joyful than depressed. Well, don't y'all agree with that? And you know, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, if you have joy in your life, you just automatically have more strength in your physical body. You have more emotional strength. You have more spiritual strength. Joy is good, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so then the second thing that he encouraged or he wrote the letter, uh, the purpose of his writing was to number two, was to thank the Philippian church for their financial giving. You remember in in, uh, verse three of chapter one, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Remember Paul sitting in prison, writing this letter, and and all of a sudden uh, a gift comes to him. Somebody brings them this gift. Epaphroditus delivers this financial gift to him and it made such an impact on him. It made such a difference that he had to write back the Philippian church. He said, man, thank you so much. Thank you for the gift. We have no idea exactly what state Paul was in at the time that he got this gift. But nevertheless, we know that it made a tremendous difference in his life. And he couldn't help but write back to the Philippian church and say, man, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so in Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15, he says, you, are, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, there's two verses in Philippians 4 that are often misquoted. And that's Philippians 4.13, my God or uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then in verse 19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But you know, I, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is in the context of Paul saying, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I can be content through God's strength in every circumstance I'm in. And then the other verse in verse 19, he says, my God will supply all of my needs. And so we'll quote that and say, my God will supply all of my needs. But he says that in the context to the Philippian church that God will supply my needs. He'll supply your needs because of your generosity. The Philippian church was a very giving church. They sent Paul a gift while he was there in prison. We can, we know that, uh, Paul was financially helped when he was, he was down in Thessalonica teaching them, starting the church there. In verse 16, it says, he said, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help for me, help to me more than once. More than one time, the Philippian church sent offerings to Paul while he was in prison, while he was in Thessalonica. Whenever he was in Corinth is another time that the Philippian church helped him out financially. In 2 Corinthians 11.8, it says, he said, I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. Talking to the Corinthian church. And when I was with you, I didn't have enough to live on. I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, that's the Philippian church, brought me all that I needed. The bottom line is the Philippian church was a very generous church, was a very giving church. Now, I think Paul is giving us one more insight into the joyful life right here in this passage. And I believe the insight is this. God's people must learn to be givers. God's people need to be givers. I need a better amen. I just got one on that last statement. How many of you would agree that God's people should be givers? You know, listen, why is it so important to give? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but let me just give you a few. One reason is that it unlocks joy in your life. You know, there's two, pe- two kinds of people in the world. There are takers and then there are givers. And you know, the givers, those are the ones that are always looking for somebody to help, somebody uh, that has a need to fill that need. They are just givers. And then the takers, those are the ones always looking for something free. They're looking for a giver who has something they can get. So there's givers in life and there's takers in life. Question is, which one are you? Are you a giver or are you a taker? Listen, the most joyful people in life are not the takers. The most joyful people in life are the givers. The Bible says in Acts 20, 35, remember the words that the Lord Jesus himself said, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. You know, giving has a way of refreshing you. Giving has a way of fulfilling you. Giving has a way of putting this emotion called joy in your life like nothing else. So the first blessing of being a giver is you're going to be happier than the takers. Number two, a second reason we should learn to give is it allows us to become more godly. How many of you believe we should become godly? You know, listen... The, the most famous verse in all the Bible, the most well-known, the most quoted, the most famous verse in all the Bible is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. And he wants us to be givers. 
And the more we give, the more godly we become. Amen? You know, listen. Never are we more like God than when we, we are in a place where we give to somebody else. Because that's what God is all about. Whenever you think about it, God is the one who gave his son. The enemy is the one, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is the taker. He wants to take joy. He wants to take peace. He wants to take financially. He wants to take love. He wants to take everything he can. Whenever we're a taker, we're acting like the enemy. When we're a giver, we're acting like our God. We need to be givers. A third reason we should learn to give is giving helps us to keep our heart right. How many of you know that your heart, even though you're a Christian, can get out of sorts, right? First Timothy 6.17, Timothy, or Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich in the things of this life not to be proud, but to place their hope not in, in, in such an uncertain thing as riches, but in God who generously gives us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share with others. Now, the scripture says here that we need to be careful to not allow our wealth to make us proud. The scripture also talks about here to be careful not to put our hope in uncertain riches. How many of you know that you can have a bunch of money today and it can be gone tomorrow? And so he says, listen, giving Keeps your heart right. First of all, giving helps you to walk in humility and not to become too proud and arrogant thinking that you're something special. But giving also keeps your heart right and keeps you knowing that, hey, listen, I need to put my faith and trust not in money, not in, in my, my, my uh, paycheck, but in God who is the king over all the universe. And number three, giving helps us not be overtaken by materialism. You know, listen, materialism, greed, covetousness can overtake your life and you can get into bondage and you can become so controlled and imprisoned by the want of more and more stuff that you can become the most unhappiest person on the face of the globe, even though you might have millions of dollars. But whenever you give, it gets your heart right. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up treasures uh, for yourselves, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, you can invest in a mutual fund and the mutual fund go bust and you lose all your money. You could put your money in a CD and the bank go, go belly up and you lose all your money. But you know, when you make an eternal investment, when you, when you store up treasures in heaven, nothing can affect the, the investment that you make in eternity. It's a short investment. But you know what? The bottom line is this. Our hearts follow our giving. And if we give into the kingdom of God, our hearts will follow our giving into the kingdom of God. And that's what he's saying. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
You know, you cannot be concerned in the least about a certain stock. You go buy a thousand shares of stock and invest about $10,000 in that stock. And all of a sudden, you're going to be looking every day to see what that stock is doing. Because your heart follows your investment. You see, and the Lord's antidote to greed, to being overtaken by materialism, is giving. And he says, listen, this is what you need to do. Don't give in projects that you can get all the adoration and all the acclamation for what you did. No, give into the kingdom of God so God gets the glory and you get the reward. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? A fourth reason we should learn to give is giving positions my life to be blessed. Listen what Proverbs 22, 9 says, generous people will be blessed. How many of you think that sounds good? You know what blessed means? It means to live with divine favor, with mercy, and the grace of God on your life. How many of you like God's grace on your life? And then, and then listen, Proverbs eleven twenty five. he says, A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. To prosper means to succeed. To prosper means to have a successful venture in life. And so the bottom line is that whenever we give, it positions us to be divinely favored and graced of God and give us success on the journey of life. Doesn't that sound great? But see, what taps you into that is generosity. Giving. A generous man shall be blessed. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You know what? We're being tested right now. God tests us by the stuff that he gives us. And he says, listen, if we can be trusted with what he gives us, then we are a candidate to get some more. How many of you want more? Do you see that, you know, if we can pass the test of not allowing stuff to take control of our life, then God can entrust us with more knowing that it's not going to become our God. It's not going to become our master. So listen, if we pass the test of handling worldly wealth, we're going to receive not just more worldly wealth. The Bible says that we're going to receive true riches. So you know what that tells me? There's riches that goes beyond material wealth. It's heavenly riches. It's spiritual riches. What are true riches? I believe true riches are like your children serving God. Like your family members getting saved. How many of you know that's worth more than a million dollars right there? You know, true riches is like having the gifts of the spirit, the word of wisdom, the discernment of the spirit, the gift of faith. True riches are the the spiritual gifts that God deposits on people that he can entrust. What's the test? Handling worldly wealth. True riches, I believe, is having the ability to help others come out of bondage and strongholds and then get their life out of the ditch and on the straight and narrow and living their life blessed. There's nothing more fulfilling than being able to help somebody get on the right track spiritually. That's true riches, Amen. How do you get more anointing on your life? How do you get to the position where God can use your life, use your testimony in a greater way? One of the ways is you got to pass the test of learning how to handle material wealth. See, giving positions your life to be supernaturally blessed of God. Amen? 
So then the question is, how do I practice giving? Well, you see, whenever we think about giving, we only sometimes think in terms of finances. Like, I give money. But you know, how many of you know that it's more than money? It's, it encompasses our entire life. And so if you want to give, there's three ways to practice your giving. And one is offer your time and service to God and others. How many of you know your time is valuable? When somebody gives you their time, they're giving you a piece of their life. Because they only have so much time in their entire existence. And so when somebody is willing to give you of their time, they're giving you something that is very valuable. I mean, think about it. We will go and invest 40, 50, 60, and however many hours a week so we can get a paycheck to get some money so we can go to Winn-Dixie and buy us some peanut butter and jelly. Amen? But listen, our time translates in money. But time is most precious. And so you can give give God your time. And in God's eyes, that is precious. The Bible says concerning time in Ephesians 5 and 15, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Life is not a dress rehearsal. In other words, you don't get to live your life and press the rewind button and say, I'm going to start all over again. I'm going back to elementary and I'm going to do this again. When you get to the end, it's done. It's over with. And so we are to redeem our time and invest our time the best way possible so that when we we cross over to the other side, we can hear the Father say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? So listen, you can offer your time first in your family. Serve your family. Give of yourself for your family. That's where it should start, right? But not just in, not just in your family, but you know, offer your time and service to the Lord here at church. It's getting better all the time. I know it just need a little while to sink in. Listen, you know, you've heard me get on this rant before. But can I rant for a little while? Sometimes we look at church and we put a pastor's face on it. You're looking at it in the wrong way if you do that. Do you realize that it's impossible for as many churches to succeed as how they succeed and do what they've been doing without the grace and the help and the blessing of the Lord on it? You know why that is, saints of God? It's God's idea. It's God's business. The church is God's business. And God blesses those who get involved in his business. Amen. Come on. That's deeper than business. It's business. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Listen, if somebody came to your business and offered volunteer time, that would bless your heart, wouldn't it? Don't you know it blesses the heart of God when people say, I volunteer to do something over there in your business, God. And I'm going to help some children. I'm going to help some adults. I'm going to get in the game. And I'm going to do something. Amen. Are y'all with me? So we need to invest our time. And then in our neighborhood, in our community. Everywhere we go, there's opportunities to invest our time for the kingdom and for the glory of God. So it's not just giving money. It's giving of ourselves. It's giving our time. Which in many cases, we would rather give somebody money than our time. 
You know why that is? Because we value our time so much. So if we value our time so much, it puts so much value on it and willing to give something to God, I think it reverberates in heaven. And God says, that blesses my heart. So not only can you invest your time, you can invest your gifts and talents in God's kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Listen, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I encourage you to get in the the spiritual growth track and learn what it is. And then employ your gift in serving God. Amen? Whether it's in the community, in the church, where you work, do something for God. We can give of our financial increase. Of course, that's one way to give. You know, give by tithing. You know, the Bible says that a tenth should be given over to God. And in, the, in Leviticus 27, 30 says, one-tenth of the produce of your land, whether grain or fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be a set apart as holy. Why does God ask us to give $1 in 10 to the local church? Because he needs our money? No, he really don't. He can finance his business. The reason why he asks us to give one in 10 of our dollars is so that we can keep our heart on the right track. See, that's what it's all about. It's a way that we learn to honor the Lord. Why? Because if you are willing to give some some greenbacks to the Lord, you're serious about serving Him. Right? So listen, not only do you give tithe, but through offerings and alms. Now, you know, an offering is anything that you give beyond the tithe. Offerings are like giving to missions, like we do here once a month. And you give to the furtherance of the gospel. Again, whose agenda is it? Whose business is it? It's God's business. It's the best place. It's the best mutual fund to invest money in. Come on, it's the best CD to invest money in. Amen. It's the best stock market. And then, you know, alms to the poor, to the needy. Whenever you help somebody in need, It is a blessing to God. So listen, remember that little lady. One day, Jesus showed up in the temple and he was just kind of standing and looking around. And there were some people that were well-to-do. They had a pretty good amount of money. And they went to to the offering box and they put in their, you know, their money. Good chunk of change. And then there was a little lady And it didn't say this, but I get the picture that she was a very feeble lady. You know, older lady, widow, feeble, not a whole lot, barely making ends meet. And got over to the offering box and just dropped one penny into the offering box. And whenever that penny hit the offering box, it reverberated in heaven. And the Lord said, this lady gave the most today. Because the other people that gave the pile of dollar bills, they were giving out of their surplus. This little lady didn't give out of her surplus. She gave out of her need. And it ministered to the Lord. So you see, whenever we give of our life, our time, our gifts, our finances, it it ministers to the Lord. So what I need to remember when I give is that we need to give willingly. 
Not grudgingly. You know, listen what 2 Corinthians 9, 5. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promise is ready, but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Have you ever asked somebody for something that they have, like they got a pile of it and you ask them for some, and they look at you like you just said a bad word or something? And then they finally say, all right, you can have one. And you're like, oh, man. I mean, if you're going to give it to me grudgingly, I don't want it. Now, I want you to give it to me willingly, right? And so when we give, we, we can't just like, golly, God, I mean, what else do you want from me? I mean, I got to go to church every Sunday, according to you. And you want me to like read my Bible daily. And now you want some of my money. All right. Golly, when is this going to stop? Boy, don't you know the Lord is really impressed with that. <laughs> How many of you know that's not the way to give? Give willingly. How about give freely? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be happy about giving, right? But notice it says, not under compulsion. You know, at pastors' conferences, they encourage pastors, hey, pastors, don't fleece the sheep. Feed the sheep. You know, fleece the sheep to see how much money you can get out of them. You know, and sometimes the reason why people don't want to give in church is because of the experience they had in church. They take an hour to take up the offering. You know, let me tell you this story, a true story that I heard. This country church in, in another state. Uh, it was this guy's family, his friend's family that was going there. And, and the pastor was older, and they, they still had an organ in church, but they wanted a contemporary piano. And he said, Pastor, we need a piano. He said, we don't need no piano. The organ works fine. And they said, no, Pastor, we need a piano. So he, so he went out and he bought him a piano. So next Sunday, they come to church, and he said, y'all like the piano? Oh, yes, Pastor. All right, let's take up an offering. We're going to take up an offering to pay for this piano. So they took up an offering. They counted the He said, ushers, count the offering. And he wasted a little bit of time. He said, how much? And they gave him the number. He said, that ain't going to pay for the piano. Ushers, let's pass the offering. <laughs> they passed another offering. He gathered the money. He said, count the offering. They counted the offering. He said, how much? And ain't going to pay the piano. Ushers, come on. Y'all wanted this piano? Y'all going to pay for it. I don't think he pastors that church anymore. But listen, you know, even in church circles, people can just try to put so much undue pressure on you to give that you're giving out of, out of guilt. You're giving out of peer pressure. You're giving out of compulsion. Don't give out a, out a compulsion. You know, people come on TV and they, they find a baby or a child that is starving and the flies flying around their head and they said, please, if you don't give today, this baby's gonna die. And the people, leaders in church that manipulate people. And so don't get manipulated. Don't be pressured into giving, but find somewhere, some place that you trust and give unto the Lord. Amen? Uh, yeah, is that all right with y'all today? Okay. And so we should give willingly, give freely, give sacrificially. 
The Philippian church gave sacrificially. Listen what 2 Corinthians 8 1 says. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of God, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability ability, entirely on their own. So what does it say? They were giving out of their poverty. You talk about sacrifice. And so listen, sometimes God wants us to give sacrificially. That means when we don't feel like giving, give anyway. Whenever it doesn't seem like we don't have any excess or any extra, give anyway. Sacrificially. And whenever we learn to give sacrificially, what it does is it brings us to a new level of surrender to God. And God always blesses a life that is surrendered to Him. Amen. And then finally, give generously. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What you reap is what you sow. You know, years ago, I had this little, like, like, uh, little garden. It's like only four foot wide, about 16 foot long. And I planted some tomato plants, some eggplants, some pepper plants, and all these plants, you know. And, um, I love tomatoes. And whenever I got ready to go harvest that garden, they didn't have too many tomatoes. They didn't have enough tomatoes. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, let's see. Next year, whenever I plant my garden, I need to plant more tomato plants because I want my harvest to be greater. The more you sow, the more you reap. You decide what kind of harvest you, you receive. So the next year, I loaded up my garden with tomato plants and I had tomatoes coming out of the eyeballs, amen? I had so much that I was able to bless other people with. And it had everything to do with what I sowed. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. How many of you want to be blessed bountifully? How many of you want to be blessed beyond, amen? Well, if you want to, be a generous giver. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. But with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The more we give, the more God blesses. The more we give, the better position we are. The more we give, the more joy we have in our life. Don't allow stinginess, greed, covetous, take a hold of your life. Learn to be a giver and giving breaks that off your life and positions you to be greatly favored, blessed, and honored of God. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me conclude with this little story. A wise woman was traveling in the mountains. She found a precious stone in a stream. The next day she met another traveler who was hungry. And the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. And the hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew the stone was worth enough to give him security for a lifetime. But a few days later, He came back 
to find the woman to return the stone. And he said, I've been thinking. I know how valuable the stone is, but I want to give it back to you in hope that you can give me something even more precious than this stone. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me that stone. How about that? How many of you know being a giver is better than the greatest diamond stone that you could ever have? Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? I have a question for you. Are you a giver? Are you a taker? And don't lie to me in church. Because I'm going to ask your children. No, come on. How many of you agree that it's better to be a giver than a taker? See, listen, the reality is some people are gifted with the spiritual gift of giving. And it's, it's without effort for them. They are the ones that they look for people to give to. They look for places to, to sow seed and to give of themselves. They have the gift of giving. It's one of the spiritual gifts. But can I share a secret with you? Most of us don't have that gift. And it's work. It's discipline. It's something you got to keep working at. But you know what? It starts with a little bitty step. It starts with just giving a little bit. It starts with opening up your heart. It starts with volunteering. It starts by being willing to serve. It starts by not being so so protective of your time and your schedule and protecting it so much that nobody has a chance to take or to use any of your time. But once we start getting into the mode of giving, it starts opening the floodgates. It starts opening the door. And we get the great mode going. And God just begins to grace us like we've never been graced before. Amen? And we done planted so many seeds, we don't know what to do with all the tomato plants coming our way. Amen? With all the tomatoes. Are y'all with me? You following with this? Okay, let's bow our head. Let's close in prayer. You know, really, you can't really be a giver until the giver, the true giver, is on the inside of you. His name is Jesus Christ. He gave his life so that you could have life. And really, you can't be the giver that God wants you to be till you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And you might be here today and you're not sure that you're even a Christian. You've never really given your will and your life over to the Lord. But the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart today and he's saying, hey, why, why don't we start with that? Why don't you give me your life this morning? If that's you today and you feel like that's what God is speaking to you, that God's tugging at your heart to surrender to him, would you just acknowledge that by just raising your hand? Just lifting it up. Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Say, Todd, I believe I need to surrender. Lift up both hands so I can see it. This is not something like to do in the corner. This is something to do out in the open. We're talking about surrendering to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? This is not a, this is not an embarrassing thing. This is the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. Surrendering your life to Christ. So lift your hands up so I can see them and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you gave your life for me. So my sins could be forgiven. 
Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry. I want to serve you. I want to give my life to you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to accept me into your family. I'm putting my faith and putting my trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen.